Well, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. We're continuing, of course, our study of the gospel of Matthew. Matthew presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. We've been seeing that. As we continue, remember these last several weeks, Jesus has been giving information dealing with the end times and the tribulation and the second coming. Jesus, as the disciples walked out with Jesus from Jerusalem, he looked back and said the temple would be destroyed. They didn't understand that. They they were shocked at that. So Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives and sits down and, and specifically Peter. Peter and James and John and Andrew came over and asked him, when will this be? What will be the sign of your coming? What will be the end of the age? So while sitting on the Mount of Olives, overlooking Jerusalem, Jesus talks about the events that will happen right before his return. And we talk about this tribulation time period and then the second coming of Jesus. So as we look, this section of God's word deals with Christ second coming at the end of the tribulation. And what Jesus does, he warns those in the tribulation to be ready for his return. And so we're going to see it this morning that he's writing to believers in the tribulation and he says, be ready because he's coming back and you don't know exactly when he's coming back, so be ready. Now we can look at that and say, well, that that is talking about people in the tribulation and we're not going to be in the tribulation because we're the church, the body of Christ will be taken out. Well, the truth is this, that he's going to come back for us. It could be at any second. He could come in the clouds. He's, he's going to come in the clouds. It could be at any second. So in the same way that Jesus tells these people in the tribulation, be ready, he's coming back, we could make an application for our own selves and say, well, be ready, because he could come back at any second. At least they had signs knowing when he was coming. Uh, we don't. So he could come at any second. Well, I think one of the most... One of the most enjoyable things I get to do as a pastor is to do weddings. I've done over 300 weddings. That really seems like a lot of weddings when you think about it. And, you know, it's really great because the wedding is sort of the, that special day. And, um, you know, one of the last things I have to do, here's this, they, they, they come and the guys come in and they get dressed. It takes them about eight minutes, you know. And then the girls come in to get dressed. It takes like about 17 hours, you know, and you never know when they're going to be ready. And so what happens, one of the last things I would do is they, the guys are ready, the, the groom's ready, and and you basically go in and you go to the to the bride and her bridesmaids and say, "Are y'all ready? Are you ready for him to ready for everything?" And so they they say yes. We're going to look at in our passage this morning. Jesus gives a parable about ten virgins that we might call them bridesmaids, and the question is, are they ready for the bridegroom to come? And we're going to see that some were ready and some weren't, and we'll see how that ties together as we look at our passage this morning. And because the key in, in everything we see from verse 42 all the way through, we're going to see that he's saying, be ready, because you not know, you do not know when he's coming. So in the last few weeks, we've been seeing Jesus teach about the end times and the tribulation and the, all of those kind of things. And, and it's great for us to know that all of us who know Jesus as Savior, We have eternal life. We're the church, the body of Christ. Jesus is going to come in the clouds, and we're going to be gone. And then there's going to be this time on the earth called the tribulation, and that'll be a light for seven years and uh, all those things. And so uh, we've been seeing that, and we we can say, well, we don't have to really worry about what happens in the tribulation, but we do want to understand it and know it. And, of course, all this was written for those people who are going to be in the tribulation. Now, what we wanted to remind you of as we've been studying this is about end times, as we realize that there are two comings of Jesus. Jesus Christ to the earth. The first time Jesus Christ came to the earth, he was born in Bethlehem. He lived, started his ministry about age 30, died about three, three and a half years later. There was his death and resurrection. So the first time he came, he came to die and rise again. The second time he comes, he comes as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you remember, this is his first coming. He comes, this is the cross, and he came to the earth to die on the cross to pay for sin, rise 
again and send back to heaven. That's to the earth. There'll be a second coming to the earth, which he comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And this is what he's been teaching in Matthew 24 and 25, the second coming of Christ. We've been talking all about this tribulation. He's going to come as the King of kings and set up a kingdom. Those are the two comings of Jesus Christ to the earth. We said there is another coming. It's in the clouds. It's not to the earth. We call it the rapture. It comes from a Latin word, rapio, which means a snatching away. It's for all the believers on the earth now. And so just to remind you, that's right here. So here's the first coming. Here's the second coming. But here we are, the church, the body of Christ. And at any second, Jesus could come in the clouds. He will not come to the earth, but we, the dead in Christ, will rise first, and we who are alive and remain be caught up together with him. So and when we're talking about this time period here, the tribulation that Jesus is talking about, and his second coming as the king, we're not really involved with that. In fact, we're going to come back with him when he comes uh, at the second coming. So I just wanted you to see how that fits together. Now, what we can do is this passage is talking about being ready, and so we could look at this. We could say, for us, let's make an application to be ready. It means he could come at any second, so let's be ready for the, the return of our Savior. But those in the tribulation, that's what we call the second coming. They've seen the signs. There's the abomination of desolation. There's the mark of the beast. There's all those kind of things. He warns them and says, you don't know exactly when I'm coming. You better be ready. So let me break down the passage for you this morning. There's going to be the warning to be alert, verses 42 and 44. Then he's going to give a story of the faithful slave. And then we'll see, and, and this looks like a lot, but we can go very quickly through it. And the third thing is the parable of the ten virgins. And when you say ten virgins, look at it this way and say, okay, they're the ten bridesmaids. Because the bridegroom is coming to get the bride, and these are the ten virgins with, who are with the bride. We would say they're the bridemaid, uh, bridesmaids. So as we start, let's talk about the warning. And the warning in Matthew 24 and 25 that he's been doing is saying, be ready. He could come at any time. Now let me remind you that when Jesus is saying, I could come at any time, for these people, what has happened? There's been a seven-year, there's a seven-year time period we call the tribulation. And the tribulation, there's wars and rumors of wars and signs of the Antichrist and the false prophet and the idol that's raised up in the temple and all kind of different things that happen there. And then we see Jesus coming. In fact, in Matthew 24, it says, the heavens will open and the Son of Man will appear and there'll be the great trumpet and the, he'll gather the people together. That's the second coming. I want to remind you of what this final seven years, this uh, tribulation time period is like. And we've talked about this many times. At the beginning of the seven years, there's a peace pact, a covenant made with the nation of Israel. At first, it looks like it's going to be good. At first, it looks like it's going to be peace, but there's all kind of problems. And then right in the middle of the seven years at the three and a half year mark, the Antichrist puts an idol up in the temple, claims to be God. This is called the abomination desolation. Jesus talked about that. And then for the last three and a half years, this Antichrist persecutes anyone that's a believer, especially Jewish people. And then he gives the mark of the beast, and the people have to put a mark, 666, either on their right hand or on their forehead to buy or sell. There are many Jewish people who believe in Jesus Christ. They're being persecuted. They're running for their lives. There are many Gentiles who trust in Jesus Christ, they're running for their lives. And we're seeing that Jesus is basically saying to those who are running for their lives, be ready, I'm coming, be faithful, I could be here at any time. And so this three and a half year, this seven year time period is right here, that's the three and a half, and then Jesus comes back. He's already talked about, in, in this passage, he talked about he would come and gather those people together. So as he starts, he wants them to be, to be ready to be reminded. Look at verse 42. Therefore, based on what he's already said, 
Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. He says, be on the alert because you don't know. Be looking for the return because he didn't give the hour of the day. In fact, in another place he says, nobody knows exactly the hour or the day. We, they could say, well, that's seven years and now it's three and a half years. So it could be any time, here's the 42 months, it could be any time in here, but they don't know the day or the hour and they're supposed to be prepared and ready. So he begins by showing them a story. He says, let me show you basically a story of a thief breaking into a house. And he says, be ready, watch. He says, but be sure of this, verse 43, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed the house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you don't think he will. He says, be sure of this. If, if a guy knew that when a guy was going to break into his house, he'd have been waiting right there with a gun. So when a guy's going to be breaking into his house, he, if you'd have known that. And he said, and if we'd have known when Jesus was going to come back, you'd be ready. And so we don't know when he's going to come back. So he says, be ready. For this reason, you must also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you don't think that he will. So the idea there is be ready. Be ready in the same way. He says, be ready for the return of the king. Now, we have already know that the generation that is alive during the tribulation, the generation that sees the abomination, desolation, that generation of people will live. Some of them will be killed, but that generation will be alive when Jesus comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's telling them to please be ready. Jesus emphasizes the truth on being ready, and he's going to tell the story of a faithful slave. Really, it's a faithful and an unfaithful slave. And the key in this whole thing is faithfulness, because you've got one who is faithful, who is serving, and will be rewarded. Now, I want you to notice will be rewarded, and one who is not faithful and not be rewarded. Now, as we look at this passage and also the passage in chapter 25, these passages are not dealing with salvation. They're dealing with rewards. One is going to be faithful, and he'll be rewarded. One is going to be unfaithful, and he won't be rewarded. Ten virgins, five of them will be faithful. They'll be rewarded. Five of them will be not faithful. They will not be rewarded. Let me just say another thing. If this is a salvation passage then salvation is based on faithfulness. And we know that salvation is not based on faithfulness. Salvation is based on faith alone in Christ alone. It's not whether we're faithful or not. It's whether we trust in him and he gives us eternal life. So I just want you to see that as we go through it. So he's going to talk about a slave, one who is faithful and one who is not. Look at verse 45. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master puts in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Now the master's going to leave and he takes one of his slaves. Uh, sometimes uh, they had a, a main slave who whenever the master would leave, he says, you take care of everything else. You run the household. You tell the other slaves what to do. You run the household. Here's what he's doing. He said, a faithful slave is the one that when the master puts him in charge, he gives them their food at the proper time. He does exactly what he's supposed to do. That's, what, that's the plan. And then look what happened. He says, well, then blessed is that slave when a master comes finds him so doing when he comes. He, he's going to be blessed because he's going to be rewarded. And we'll see it in just a second. Look what he goes on to say. Truly, I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. So here's a faithful slave, and he gets rewarded for his faithfulness. Okay, but what about the other slave? What about the one who is not faithful? What about a person who's not faithful? And let me just say this. It is true that all people, whether we're, wait, whether we're waiting for the rapture and we could be gone any second, or those people are waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ, the key for rewards is faithfulness. 
That's what we've seen over and over again. When we stand before Jesus Christ, what do we want to hear him say? What? Well done, good, and what? Faithful servant. That's what we want to hear. So he's talking about faithful. Well, let's look at the, look at the contrast because we're going to see the unfaithful slave. He wasn't ready for the return. He was not faithful. Look what he says in verse 48. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master's not coming for a long time, and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour which he does not know. Now, here's the contrast. What about this one who's not ready? This is a servant who was put in charge and he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Look what verse 51 says. And that's where people get confused. He will cut him into pieces, assign him other place with the hypocrites. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, people have always seen this. And when they see this, they immediately assume, well, this must be a person who's going to hell. Well, if, if, if this is basically going to hell, you're going to hell because you're not faithful. People don't go to hell because they're not faithful. They don't. They go to hell because they have never trusted in Jesus Christ as the Messiah and Savior. So this is a person who will be a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, when you see weeping and gnashing of teeth, what do you think of immediately? You think of hell because you've heard that. But remember, all the way through the Gospel of Matthew, we've already seen three times that outer darkness is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, and outer darkness is missing the feast, the wedding feast. So what's going to happen? And he's going to show this in this next story. He's going to show that when people believe in Jesus Christ, they get to go into the kingdom. But if they're not faithful, they don't get the rewards and they will not be at the marriage supper. That's what he's going to show. We've already seen it two other times in the Gospel of Matthew as we're going through it. So basically he says, here's a faithful servant. And when the master comes back, he gets rewarded. Here's an unfaithful servant. When the master comes back, he gets set out, and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, which always means that they're, they're upset, they've missed out. Now, in this passage, we're not in here. Okay, this is the second coming, but let's make an application. Could Jesus Christ come at any second? Yes. What are we supposed to be doing while we're waiting for him to come? We're supposed to be what? Be faithful. It has nothing to do with our salvation. When Jesus Christ comes, if you're a faithful believer, you're going to be with him. You'll go into the kingdom. You will go into the marriage supper of the Lamb, and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. If you're not faithful, you'll go into the kingdom, but you will not go into the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is called the wedding feast, and he won't say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, this is really hard. A lot of people don't like to talk about rewards because they all want to say, see what I, I actually thought when I trusted Christ, I trusted Christ when I was 19. I didn't start growing until I was like 25 or 26. I always thought what's going to happen is you, you believe in Jesus and everybody goes to heaven and everybody gets up there and we all hold hands and rock back and forth and we're all the same and everything's wonderful. But what you find out is when you go, when you're with Jesus Christ and you go into the kingdom, not everybody is the same. Everybody who's trusted Christ is in the kingdom, but there will be those who rule and reign, and there'll be some who don't rule and reign. There'll be those who go to the banquet, and there'll be those who don't go to the banquet. And it all goes back to whether you are faithful or not, and whether he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, that puts some pressure on you, not for salvation, because salvation is a gift and costs you absolutely nothing. But discipleship, service, and rewards cost you. 
And you've got to be faithful to do that. And so he says there were two. There was one who was faithful, one who was not faithful. Let me just show you this. Some people say that there are two views here, that this is an unbeliever and he's cast into the lake of fire. First of all, he doesn't say lake of fire. Second is, if it's an unbeliever, he is cast into the lake of fire because he wasn't faithful. We know nowhere in the scripture are people separated from God because they're not faithful. They're separated from God because they do not believe in Christ for eternal life. So I take this as a believer who was not faithful and doesn't get rewarded. We're going to see that Jesus follows it up with a parable about the ten virgins, let's say the ten bridesmaids. We're going to see he teaches the exact same story. The goal for us is to be faithful, that when he comes in the moment, in the twink of an eye, and we're gone... And when we stand before him, it's what's called the judgment seat of Christ, which is a rewarding stand that he will say to us, what? Well done, good and faithful servant. So I think his passage here, Jesus is saying those people in the tribulation, there's going to be some faithful and who some not, and those who are faithful will be rewarded. Notice what it says back in verse 47. He says, truly us, this is to the faithful one, truly I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. That's rewards. And we're going to see that. Now, let's then look at this next thing. It's the parable of the ten virgins. Let's just call them the ten bridesmaids. And the context is the tribulation and the tribulation believers, but we can make the application again because it's on the idea of faithfulness. And notice what he does differently here. As he starts chapter 25, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is the thousand-year reign of Christ. Notice what he says. Then the kingdom of heaven will be compared to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Okay, now this is going to be dealing with, uh, we're talking about faithful and, unfa- and unfaithful, and it's a parable dealing with about a wedding, and notice carefully, because if you remember when I read it earlier, notice it says it's about a wedding and those who make it to the wedding feast, okay, and we'll see that. And we remember, we've taught earlier that faithful believers go to the wedding feast, unfaithful believers do not go to the wedding feast. So here we got 10 bridesmaids, and they're preparing for the ceremony. They're preparing for everything. And I want to show you this. Let's talk about a wedding, okay, in that day and time. The first thing was the betrothal. We talked about this before, but here's a guy, and here's a girl, and their daddies have already talked, most likely, and the daddy would say, I would like my son maybe to marry your, your daughter, and he would say, I think that would be a good match and everything. And most likely, many of the times, the, the two, the man and the woman, the, uh, they knew each other, and they wanted to get married. And so the guy would come with money. He would come to the house of the bride, the one he wants to marry, and he'd go to her father, and he would give money, which was actually a down payment. And he would say, I would like to marry your daughter. And he'd say, okay. And then she would come into the room and there would be two cups, two things to drink out of, and he would pour wine in them. If she reached down, drank the cup, she would be saying to him, I will marry you. And they were betrothed right then. If she walked out, uh, that would not be a good day for him. Okay. That, it means he didn't get it. So he, he's there and she says yes. And so they betrothed. Now he usually says something like this. In my father's house, there are a lot of rooms. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. When I get it ready, I'll come back and get you. Because what he would do is he would leave. He would go back to his father's house and build a room on for him and his bride. I don't, they, they weren't apartment complexes. They didn't just go get their own house. They went back and almost every time lived with the father. 
his father. So he would say, and that's why when Jesus said in John 14, in my father's house are many rooms, if it wasn't that way, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you when I get it ready, I'll come back and get you. Because see, that's what he's saying to us. He's our bridegroom and we're the bride. And he's saying, I've gotten everything ready and I'll come back and get you. So he leaves, the groom leaves and says, when I get everything ready, I'll come back to get you. Now, let me tell you what. He doesn't tell, you when he's, he doesn't tell her when he's coming. It could be any time. Usually it was about a year. It took about a year to get everything ready. Most betrothals last a year. But what he's going to do is when he gets everything ready, he's coming. And, of course, they got an idea of when it's getting close. And so the bride has her virgins, has her, her bridesmaids with her. And when it gets real close and they know he's probably coming very soon, they start being together because they're going to be there to help her. And he could come get her anytime. I went to Israel in 1976 with... Uh, Dr. Mark Cameron. Dr. Mark Cameron started Florida Bible College. He also started Seaside Mission to the Jews. And I went to Israel with him. One time, he's been to Israel a bunch of times. He passed away some years ago. But he had been to Israel many times. And he told me one time he was standing in Jerusalem, downtown Jerusalem, and he saw a woman, a young girl, and about five or six other girls. And suddenly, a car drove up really fast, stopped. A guy jumped out grabbed her. They started blowing the horn. He grabbed her and picked her up. He was the, the bridegroom. That was his bride. He picked her up. Everybody started screaming and honking, and they jumped in the car, and they drove to the wedding. That, that was him picking her up, and the bridesmaids were with her. He watched it, okay? Now, we don't do it quite that way, but in there, they're saying, you know, the bridegroom could come anytime, and so we've got the 10 bridesmaids. They're with the bride, and they're waiting. Now, what are they supposed to be doing? What we saw in the other thing, they're supposed to be faithful. And we're going to see that five were faithful and five weren't faithful. And we see what happens. So look what it says. The kingdom of heaven will be compared to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. They're, they're waiting. They, he could come at any time. And so they're getting ready. And so they feel like it could be today, maybe, maybe today or tomorrow. So they all get together. There's the bride. There's the 10 bridesmaids. And they come. And notice what it says. They came out to meet the bridegroom. And it says they took their lamps because he could come at any time. In fact, a lot of times they came at night. So they're supposed to have their lamps ready. So when he comes, everybody can see everybody and they can do their thing. So watch what happens. He says, five of them were foolish and five were prudent. What? Okay, five were foolish because they weren't ready. And five were wise prudent because they were ready. Well, what are we talking about? Well, notice what it says. For then the foolish took their lamps. They took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil in their flask along with their lamps. Now, listen. The foolish took lamps and they had oil in their lamps, but they took no extra oil. They really weren't ready because they don't know how long it's going to burn. They don't know what's going to happen. So they have no oil in their, they have oil in their lamps, but they don't have anything extra. But the wise ones had oil in containers. So when their oil ran out, they could pour more oil in there. They're ready. They say, it doesn't matter when he comes. We got enough oil. The others are saying, well, we just brought enough for right now. That's basically what they're saying. So watch what happens. Now, while the bridegroom was delaying, gosh, we thought he'd be here by now, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, now it's in the middle of the night, at midnight there was a shout. Here's the shout, behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. What are they supposed to do? Put their lamps, we've been going, we've got to go out there. But remember, five of them have a lot of oil. When their lamp goes wrong, they put more oil in. But the others, they just barely have any oil because they weren't ready. 
We put it this way. They weren't faithful. And so look what happened. So at midnight, there was the shout, behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins, the bridesmaids, rose up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. But the prudent said, no, there's not going to be enough for you, for us and you too. But go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And so we, all of a sudden this happened. And so the foolish one said, hey, we need some oil. Give us some of your oil. And they said, no, 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 we don't have enough for both of us. You should have had your own oil. You should have had your own oil. Why didn't you bring your oil? Why weren't you ready? Why weren't you faithful would be a way to say it. And look what they say. They said, uh, why don't you go? They said, no, you go to the dealers and buy some for yourself. I mean, so they got to go to the 7-Eleven, you know, and find some oil somewhere, get something, because they got to go out and, but he's already here. He's coming, and they've lit the lamps, and these guys, the five of them are saying, we're ready. The other five say, we don't have enough oil. And they said, well, you better go get some. So they have to leave. And guess what happened? And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him. And now notice carefully what this verse says. And they went in with him to where? To the wedding feast. This is the banquet. And the door was shut. Do you remember me saying that not every believer gets to go to the banquet? Only the faithful believers get to go to the banquet. I know that sounds a little harsh, but I didn't make this up. It's not my plan, it's God's plan. God says if you're faithful, if you're part of the Metakoi, which is in the book of Hebrews, if you're a faithful one, you're going to get to be with him. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come be with me. But some people aren't faithful. In fact, many believers aren't faithful. They're going to be people that will be in the kingdom, but not at the banquet. You've got five of the bridesmaids, and they're ready. They go with him, and the door is shut. They go to the wedding feast, and the door is shut. Well, then look what happened. Later, the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered and truly said to you, I don't know you. Now, he didn't say there's a place where there are false prophets who are not believers say something and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this for you? And he says, I never knew you. That's different than I don't know you. And so he says, I don't know you. And I think what he's saying is, you're not faithful. You don't get to go to the banquet, you know. And then he says at the very end, so be on the alert then because you don't know when he's coming. And so the wedding feast, the marriage supper is the ones who were faithful and ready to go to the feast. The ones not faithful, they were gone to, gone to get the oil and they weren't ready and they didn't get to go to the feast. And so he says, I don't know you. Several times in Matthew, we've already seen that faithful believers enter the kingdom and go to the feast. Unfaithful believers enter the kingdom but are not at the feast. Now, I have to say it again. Faithful believers not only enter the kingdom, that's having life, eternal life, and the thousand-year reign on this earth, we enter the kingdom and get to go to the banquet and get to serve him in places of responsibility. Unfaithful believers enter the kingdom don't get to go to the banquet, and don't rule with him. There's a difference between ruling and reigning and not ruling and reigning. I know that seems some harsh. I've had, I've had people write me and say, it just doesn't really seem fair that all believers don't get to go to the banquet. Well, I mean, I didn't make it up, but who decides that? 
Jesus Christ decides that. He's the ultimate judge. And you know, Paul said, run the race so that you may get the prize. He says, I want you to, to hear, when I hear say, well done, good and faithful servant. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. That's Romans 14, 12 through 14. These are not salvation passages. They are rewards passages. So there's a challenge to every one of us in this room who know Jesus Christ as Savior that one day... All of us will stand before Christ to be rewarded. And if we're faithful, not only do we get to go, we're going to go to in the kingdom because of salvation, but if we're faithful, we'll get to go to the banquet and we'll get to serve him. And if you're not faithful, you won't get to be at the banquet. So what happened? These virgins, these bridesmaids who weren't faithful, they come back and they say, uh, open up. And basically what he's saying, it's too late for you for the banquet. You weren't faithful. The conclusion and the conclusion, bottom line, is, therefore, be alert because you don't know the time. Now, he's talking to the people in the tribulation time period, and he's saying, be faithful because you don't know the time. How is one ready? We'd say, well, they, they weren't ready. How is one ready? To be ready for the return of the king, how is one ready? By faithfully serving and looking for the return of the king. That's why when these people in the tribulation time period, they know when he's coming back. They know when it's close. They're supposed to be faithful in serving. And, and of course, they're running for their lives and everything else too, but that's what they're supposed to do. Now, think about us. How are we, what are we supposed to be doing while we're waiting for him to come back? That is to be faithful. So look at this. For us, the church, we're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's Titus chapter 2, verse 13. The rapture, we're looking for him. What are we supposed to be doing? Faithfully looking and serving. In the tribulation, these believers, what are they supposed to be doing? Faithfully looking and serving. And so the bottom line for all of us and is, are we, are we faithful? Are we waiting for the return? Now, in particular, this particular passage is dealing with the tribulation believers, but we can make applications. So let me, let me give you some applications for us to think about. Let us be ready for the coming of the Lord. Let's be ready. He could come at any second. For us, the context is at the end of the tribulation. He could, he could come. Let me just remind you of this. For us, it could be right here. We're here right now. Jesus Christ could come at any second. So the question for me and for you, are we faithful? Are we taking the gifts, talents, and abilities that God's given us? Are we doing everything we can to serve him and our lives count for him? That costs us. This has nothing to do with salvation. This has to do with rewards. Are we faithful when he comes as we're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing? Are we faithful? Now, in this passage, the application is these believers are waiting for him to come back are they faithful? Because when, when he comes back, we, he go, we go into the kingdom. And by the way, we're raptured up, we're with him, and we come back with him to go into the kingdom. So this is all dealing with entering the kingdom and the banquet. Now, let me say one other thing, and this may be some people watching that you don't know for sure whether you're even a believer or not, because to have eternal life and to be in the kingdom, you have to have trusted Jesus Christ. So for all of you in this room, but all the people who are also watching uh, on Facebook Live, if, you, if you've never understood understood that salvation is a gift. It is not works. It's not your faithfulness. It's not being good. It is simply putting your trust in Jesus Christ to give you eternal life. Right now, you can trust in Jesus Christ, and you can know that you have eternal life. So I hope you do that. For those who know as believers, for us now, we're, we're right here. 
We want to be faithful as, he, as we wait for his return. And in this passage, as these people, they're supposed to be faithful waiting for his return. Now, there's one other application I want to give you this, is this. And that is, let us realize that God will reward faithful believers. And what we realize that the faithful slave, what did he get? Rewards. The faithful virgins, the faithful bridesmaids, what did they get? They got rewards. They got to go into the banquet. That's the key. And for us to be faithful is to live for Jesus Christ, to serve him, to be looking for his return. So in this passage, he's dealing with this coming and these people being faithful. For us, application, he could come any second. We want to be faithful so that we can hear him say when we stand before him, well done, good and faithful servant. It's some hard stuff. Salvation cost us absolutely nothing. Being a disciple, getting rewards, cost us our lives. Dennis Casey was in the first service as he walked out the door. He said, so there are not going to be any participation trophies. I said, no, no, there won't be any participation trophies. You don't get rewards for showing up. You get, you get eternal life, that's showing up. You get that by faith, you don't do anything for it. It's a gift. But rewards, it's not just for participating. <laughs> I was there, no. You serve him and you're faithful.